<laughs> it's true, it'll be hard they to flush. Think, they won't think at the bottom peering out at you like a sad turtle. <laughs> <laughs> they'll be floating on the surface going... <laughs> Bunsen, Dolly, Internal, Why do we need Petri, Oscar, Isaac, Transplanting, Nick, Oi! How you doing? It's a 2021 January Misery Podcast Special. Happy 2021, Steve. What are you doing? What have you got planned? Well, I was thinking I'd sit at this table and have a lot of video calls. What, what do you reckon? That's basically my plan for the whole year. You've just you've just predicted my week. <laughs> Nick, oh, how was your happy it's, Happy New Year? Happy New Year. We should start off with that. How was your holidays? It was it was rather nice. Yeah, I got to see. I was lucky enough to be able to spend time with my family um, on Christmas Day, so that was nice. And yeah, but it was a bit of a it was a bit of a kind of um, a boring one, really. It wasn't it. We tried to meet up to do a Christmas special, but 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 that damn COVID got in the way um, and didn't allow us to do it. It really did. So we're going to have to do it remotely, unfortunately. I know. I know. Well, hey ho. What can what can yeah. you do, eh? Mate, yeah, I bought but... you some. I bought you some Christmas presents and everything, yeah. but they're, they're just going to have to stay wrapped up till next year, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only. <laughs> you know what? I was going through my cards and um, I found your card from last year, which I didn't give you <laughs> in our card box. Well, I got one this year. Did I get this year's card or last year's card? You got you got this year's card, not last year's card, because I found last year's card after I had already posted uh, this year's card. Well, I look forward to the 2018 Christmas card. <laughs> I'm going to keep it until it's like a sort of sepia-tinted relic that I can give you in the year like 2060 or something when I'm half dead. Oh, look forward to that. Look forward to that. <laughs> How are you anyway? You were in London, weren't you, for the whole thing? We, yeah, I was in London all, all the time. Um, just stayed here. It's not very good for the COVID situation in London at the moment. It's very, very high numbers, the highest they've ever been in terms of people with the disease. And actually, uh, the data looks like they're actually staying in hospital longer uh, during the second wave than they did in the first wave. So, so it's putting extra strain on the on on the health services. So, so I stayed at home to be a good boy. Um, to not try and spread the evil, unlike yourself, that obviously cares nothing about the welfare being of old people. Well, we we did have certain allowances, didn't we, at Christmas, <laughs> which I was able to take advantage of. But yeah, it wasn't the full the full fun Christmas that I was hoping for. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, yeah. Anyway, should we get on some some post uh, uh, festivities misery january lockdown potting potting let's do it steve <sighs> what's annoying nick nick steve. um i guess what i've been doing my first job back since 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 the new year we came back to work I've been going through some some CVs for a job that's been advertised. That you're and advertising? Yeah, it's closed. The job had closed, and I've been going. I've been shortlisting the CVs, right? Oh, and I just want to tell you, shortlisted me. Did you apply? Yeah, did you <laughs> 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 do you know? Do you know what's really interesting is 
two things. One, how bad some people's CVs are. Like, I just can't, I just can't understand how someone could in in good conscience submit something like that. You know, well, the actual fonts CV, the written thing, or the actual content of it. No, 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 no. How it's presented. Do you get any you know, in Comic Sans? Because you've got a real problem with Comic Sans, haven't you? I do. There was no, there was none with Comic Sans, as far as I'm aware. But there was ones that had multiple. One had one had six different fonts on on a two page CV. Oh, which that's I, pretty. Know, pretty. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> and then the other thing as well is that people put like hobbies on their academic CVs, like they enjoy reading and going for a walk. And I just. <laughs> Can't believe it, Nick. I can't believe someone what can go. Angle? Oh, this is what? this is going to clinch it. That I enjoy what reading John Le Carre novels. What <laughs> what um what uh, level of job is this? This is a postdoc. Oh right, okay, yeah. Well, on, on a on a PhD one, I'd probably expect to see something about what they like doing. But I think by the time you get to a postdoc, you don't put your hobbies I, on it anymore. I'm sorry, you? it's unacceptable. Right, it's an academic <laughs> professional. Do you think Elon Musk? When he's when he's you know writes the CV and on that he puts yeah I enjoy go lifting weights on a Friday Surely night. Surely he'll he'll write much more wanky stuff than that. Will allow me to write in the bin Elon famously wrote his entire CV on a page. You know, on a right, page, one page. You know, that's not he, that's not unusual. No, I'm just saying, but he and he's done a lot, right? So when people oh, say right. that, oh, I'm so I'm such a complex character that I need to I need to write a and sometimes people put a, something a ten page CV, right? You know, but all Elon Musk has to do is write I am Elon Musk on it. <laughs> well, for the Google fact, me. <laughs> is that what Nick writes on his CV? I'm yeah, kind yeah. of a big deal. Google me. Nice. Google it. <laughs> you know, you don't need this piece of paper. Just Google it. You can find me online. <laughs> just a, and just a picture of your face um yeah no i think it's, it's really interesting that to, to me that the that, that people's a uh, couple of the couple of the cover letters just come reference completely different labs as well that's nice that makes you feel really special <laughs> you know I, you uh, I really enjoyed your paper on and it's not my paper people, <laughs> people listening in thinking oh no i've, I've got <laughs> yeah i mean it's I think, you know, I mean, maybe it's a tough time for people and I do feel for them and maybe they've got to have to apply for a hundred jobs to get one. But from the other side, it's really, it's really easy to kind of not shortlist people if they, if, if they refer to a lab that's not your own or a project that's not the one they applied for. I mean, that is a bit of a, a, bit of a schoolboy error, isn't it, that? <laughs> schoolboy error. Yeah. I think that like a lot of these big companies and things, they do huge kind of like, double treble interviews with like day trips and things like that and maybe that's because they found out that you need to do it that way before you can work out um, maybe they've just got a really big hr department and they have to feel like they're doing something well probably they've got loads of money haven't they yeah you couldn't <laughs> exactly. do that anyway anyway back to some science nick Eve. it's a new year People have resolutions. Have you got any resolutions, any New Year's resolutions this year? Um, I've got one. Uh, I've got work-related ones. Yeah. I don't really have any personal life ones. I, I, I don't want to know the work ones. They're boring. Tell me about the personal ones. I want to know the I don't really have any. I just said I don't um, have any. I'm going to stop using my phone so much. So right. I'm, going to, I'm not going to, like, I'm going to, like, check it in the morning, have a look at it at lunchtime, and have a look at it in the evening, and I'm I'm going to have periods of time I'm not going to look at my phone. I think that's wise. That's probably a good idea. Um, well, I think like, Boring, like I don't have any exciting ones. 
Well, a classic one that everyone everyone always uh, or starts in January is to is to maybe join a gym and maybe lose a bit of weight. Right? right, that's a kind of classic you one. Gave on the, you gave that up a long time ago. So. Oh, f you. Um, uh, so what I wanted to talk to you about was um, some some science related to to the kind of to weight loss. Anyway, <clears throat> there's a bunch of different. Obviously, there's loads of like quackery around kind of weight loss drugs, right? And you know, in famously they used to give you know you could give people um, amphetamines and things, kind of classic diet pills. There's actually kind of one proven drug. Um, that, that has shown for, for people that are obese, they have a BMI over 29, um, that actually, you know, uh, clinically in multiple clinical trials that can reduce um, body fat. And it's this drug called um, Oralstat. Is this allowed? Um, this is allowed, yeah. So, so it used to be on prescription, but in, in, in Canada, the EU and America, you can get this over the counter now. Um, it's a. It's really interesting how it works. So, this, so it's a. It's a drug. Um, uh, it's by Roche, uh, um, or it's called um, sometimes a generic version is called Ali by GlaxoSmithKline. Um, it's this kind of. It's a beautiful molecule, Nick. So, which is why I kind of I was drawn to it. Um, but um, it's um, it's a it's a lipase inhibitor. So a lipase inhibitor. Yeah. So the way it works wow. is. What's a lipase? So lipase is an enzyme that sits in your gut. We have a variety, it's a class of enzymes, there's loads of things, and they take fatty acids and they, and they decompose them so that you can absorb them into your body and you can take the calorific content of fat. And as we all know, they, that fat... So they, they kind of decompose um, triglycerides to fatty acids. Not just triglycerides, but yeah, in, indeed, a lot, a lot of uh, anything that the, with a variety of different lipases. Yeah, lipase is a class of, of enzymes. But we have, we, have, we have a load of them in our, in our gut the whole time. And they and they, they all have a similar active site. They they and they compose different specific um, fatty acids and triglycerides, as you said. Um, Jumping up, now, they're in your gut. All these enzymes with all the other enzymes, and you eat a burger, and there's loads of fat in it, and you get globules of fat, gets all mashed up, and then your enzymes go nom 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 nom, and then your guts can suck them up out of your out of your tubes. Yeah, I mean it's also true. Uh, why, uh, like oils, uh, work with oils as well. But yeah, so you're just um, they they they're, they're um, secreted by the pancreas typically, um, and when after you've had a cheeseburger, they, your your pancreas gets gets activated, pumps out a load of uh, these lipases so that you can get the calorific content of the burger, right, or the whatever, or the ice cream, whatever you're eating. Right, um, right. Now, what, what this this does is this comes in, and you know those lipases are secreted in the same way. They come to the to the, to the fats in the burger in your stomach, and then when you're in, in your intestine, and then these this inhibitor, this this alley or oralostat, it binds to quite strongly to the active site of um, you know, these lipases, and therefore they can't do that. You know, so, I call them I call them lipases, and I never uh, know whether that's wrong or right. Whether it's well, it's a lipid, right. isn't it? Maybe you're right. Uh, um, I don't know. I don't know. Most of the people call them live pages. I think. I think it's Americanisms. Well, Damn Yankees. <laughs> well, do you think there could be any bad side effects associated with not chomping up all of your fat in your Get in your intestines? You have horrible poos while you're have... really disgusting <laughs> stools. Yes, that's exactly right. So floaters. Um, no, not even. So it's called a uh, uh, stee. Uh, Steatorrhea, which is which is oily, loose stools with excessive yeah. flatulence. They'll probably float as well, those bad boys. If they've got loads <laughs> of fat in, they'll be floaters. It's true, it'll be hard they to flush. Think, they won't sink at the bottom, peering out at you like a sad turtle. <laughs> <laughs> they'll be floating on the surface going, <laughs> I'm loose and oily. 
Great. Yeah. So that's that's, that's that, that. Unfortunately, that's the the main side effect um, uh, of of this uh, of this drug. Uh, and it makes sense, right? That oil's got to go somewhere. And if you're not breaking it down and using that energy, it's going to be going to pass through you. Um, there's actually there's quite a few studies on these, and it's reasonably safe. Uh, you know, there was some worry that it was involved with um, uh, associated with uh, um, uh, liver cancer, but actually that's been dispelled. Um, it's interestingly that they, they find that um, it, it, it can interact with um, cyclosporins. So if people ever have um, immunosuppressor, they're immunosuppressed for any reason, quite often they'll take cyclosporins as a drug. And, and that decreases the efficacy if you're also taking this orolistat. But actually it seems like a relatively, you know, it only works on people that are, that are, that are properly overweight, um, in fact clinically obese. Um, uh, that it works the best and it works less well as you get skinnier and skinnier. They're greedy, greedy greedy people who are scoffing burgers all the time so they take it all the time with the burger and it stops the fat being you, you take it three, three times a day with meals when you're having a burger you pop in an oralistat and then you get an oily poo and then you don't that's great you, you, can have, you can have like a really uh fatty meal and get yeah. all the pleasure from it then you just crap all of the bad stuff out without absorbing yeah exactly that's cool there's, there's loads of these other diet pills as well steve like I, uh, we we do a bit about this in metabolism oh, okay. at work. But some of them are really dangerous. There's one yeah. called dinitrophenol, D DMP it's called. And you always get people dying every year because they buy them off the internet. And these are things that work on your mitochondria, the energy houses in your cells. And basically what they do is they put your mitochondria out of gear. So it's kind of like your mitochondria uh, coupled. You, you chomp up sugar, you burn the sugar kind of yeah. literally in a controlled way and the energy gets transferred to another molecule what this does was it allows you to burn the sugar but it doesn't couple it to producing the other molecule so what happens is the, sh the energy from the bonds and the sugar are used up and they all turn into heat right. rather than into useful chemical energy yeah. and so what happens is if you take too much of it you just get you die really all your cells yeah all your cells die of hyperthermia and they explode and then you just die catastrophically it's really horrible you can buy them if you look on the internet you can actually buy them <laughs> yeah that's so, right loads of animals have these things naturally if you think about mice living in like really cold places they've evolved these types of molecules because they want to keep warm right so yeah. they're specialized when they eat stuff when they these mice wander around chomping on corn or whatever yeah the energy that they use is converted to heat so they're so specialized you, to produce heat you know they, so it's kind of taking people... advantage of that you know these people that can kind of go in like ice water for like hours without dying. Do they have an increased natural? Do they? Is there any relation to their mitochondrial? I don't know. Um, I don't know. But there are Darwin when Darwin first ran, went around the world in Tierra del Fuego, which, as you know, mm. is right on the southern tip of South America. The tribes people there didn't really. They lived in really cold climates, but they didn't dress like you would expect people to dress. Yeah. And it's thought that those people and I think there have been some genetic studies, have elevated levels of these what's called uncoupling proteins. So these are the same yeah. types of things. So probably some people have evolved to live in cold places by expressing those in the same way that, you know, you have people who live at very high altitudes. They have a much higher mm -hmm. oxygen carrying capacity in their blood. So, yeah, probably that's true. Oh, um, you like science fiction, don't you? Uh, I like some science fiction. I'm not one of those people that have all those black books with red, horrible fonts on the on the on the um, bookshelf wall. What? I didn't even know that was a thing. 
Yeah, there's loads of, you know, there's just like some people that are really into science fiction. I'm into good science fiction, you know. That's what's, good, what's, your, what's your definition of good science fiction, Steve? Star Trek. Great, Star Trek, that's where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like Excellent. all the spin-offs and everything? Uh, some of them, yeah. You are a fucking, you're a geek, mate. You can't on one hand say, oh, no, I don't like science fiction with the funny fonts, and then say, I like Star Trek and all of its spin-offs. No, no, no. I, no, I am a geek. Nick, I'm, I'm an academic and I'm a physical chemist. There's no question I'm a geek. Of course I like Star Trek. I'm a scientist. Have you ever come across a scientist that doesn't like Star Trek? Um, I like I'm just Star saying, Trek. I'm, I'm saying there is a wide range of, of, uh, of uh, science fiction, of which I, I enjoy some of them. I want to talk about um, a journal, Steve. A the journal is called, so this is a scientific journal where sciencey yeah. people publish sciencey papers. And this goes to prove this hypothesis, Steve, that scientists like Star Trek. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, this journal is called Early Human Development. Okay. okay. It's published by our old friends, those Elsa. standing paragons of virtue, moral virtue and scientific rectitude, Elsevier. Yeah. Okay. I could have guessed that. <laughs> Anyway, it's got an impact factor of like 2.2. Okay. What do you think about so, that? So that, I mean, that's pretty high, you know. I mean, that's that's probably a solid journal. Um, Elsevier well, we, probably is be a three-star, wouldn't it? Internationally recognised, I don't know. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think so. Perhaps, yeah. Anyway, yeah. the journal covers research on the continuum between fetal life and the perinatal period, aspects of postnatal growth influenced by early events and the safeguarding the quality of human survival. Sounds like a proper journal. Sounds like a sciencey journal for, for scientists to publish sciencey papers. It's a highly cited, this is what it says about itself. It's a highly cited voice on early human development, provides an opportunity for researchers to bridge the communication gap between medicine and basic research. It sounds like you're setting up a straw man here, Nick. Anyway, <laughs> there's, there's papers in it, you know, you just scan their website. One of the first papers you can see is entitled The Effect of Labour Medications on Newborn. Oh, sorry. The effect of labour medications on normal newborn behaviour in the first hour after birth. A prospective cohort study. Okay, so there are technical articles on stuff to do with um, development and perinatal life around the time you're born. Anyway, some undergraduate student called Hampton Gaddy. He's at the University of Oxford. Okay. And um, I, I found out about this article through a website called Retraction Watch, which I follow which notice funny we've, things. We've spoken about an attraction watch before. It's your favourite thing. I, I I imagine when you get up in the morning, you have a cup of tea, you turn, open your laptop, you put on retraction watch and just go, <laughs> look at these fools. <laughs> and you just get, it's a, it's a joyous way to start your day. Yeah. Anyway, um, he, he noticed anyway, something was fishy was going on in this journal. All right. Okay. Fishy things going on. And he noticed that since 2018, a chap, a researcher, Professor Victor Grech, had published, this is of six, so in the time since the beginning of 2018, there were 636 articles published by this journal. Okay, that's that's a lot, but that's probably fairly standard. But one author, Victor Grech, had published 113 of them. Out so of 600? Out of 600. So one in six wow. of the articles he'd published. Okay, is that person an editor right. of the journal? He's not. He's not an editor of the journal. But this gets okay. more interesting. Of those 113 articles, 19 articles focus solely on the TV series Star Trek. 
and they were. Hang on a minute. So what's this? What's Star Trek got to do with like perinatal studies? Good <laughs> question. Good question. Okay, there's one. There's one um, article in because uh, journals have different categories of things, so they've got subdivisions of sort of specialist areas into which an article falls into. So in one um, category called best practice guidelines. So these are sort of guidelines for good medical practice. He found an article called "Nurses in Star Trek: The Fictional Role of the Nurse in Star Trek." Okay, this is what the article. Was. It's one page long. It's less than a page long. One author? Starts... Single author? Single author, yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Single authors in general raise alarm bells to me with any, any paper. You know, and you know, don't get me wrong, there are single author papers that are fantastic, but like in general, if, you know, if, if there's just one crazy person <laughs> on a no, paper. There's no moderation there, is there? Anyway, Indeed, yeah. it starts off. This paper will discuss Christine Chapel and Alicia Ogawa, who are arguably the only two nurses on board Star Trek's Enterprise, given prominent roles. In various and multiple episodes, their roles re reveal a recurrence of the subservient attitude to the medical practitioner. It goes on like this for a page. Right. Thing. She was one of the head nurses in the ship's sick bay, assigned as ensign in 2367. In 2370, she was promoted to lieutenant junior grade upon recommendation of Beverly Cro it's okay, this, this, does, this doesn't sound like science to me. This sounds like this sounds like a fan fiction. It, it's it's fan fiction, dude. <laughs> it's fan fiction. There's more. And then there's other stuff as well, other crazy stuff, right? So there are 48 huh? articles called based on writing a scientific paper, right? So these are kind of like sort of educational things to give other people an idea about how to write, write a scientific paper. But there's stuff that's really crazily basic. Like there's an article about how to use Excel. Okay. And it starts <laughs> off like this, Steve. It starts off like this. It's, it says, oh in, this, in this day and age, modern software, such as the ubiquitous and almost universally familiar Microsoft Excel, greatly facilitates this process. Wow. And it goes on like this and says things like, listen to this, Steve, variables may be of different types and these categories, as well as specific examples, are shown in table one. It is customary to use the first row of a column as a header. That is the name of the variable being input. <laughs> For okay, example, so questionnaire answers should be entered under headers Q1, Q2, and not as 1, 2, etc. Oh, my God. Wow. So, so okay, why, why this why this is so bad is that you know scientific articles should be you should have you should understand some knowledge they're not they're not they're not supposed to be training uh, documents they're supposed to be something of you you be you doing some research or uncovering something that nobody knew before and it has to be novel and exciting and well is done that true? is that true can you not have a journal which has more of this sort of um, you know Little I think, articles, I think a peer-reviewed peer scientific uh, article, should, you know, shouldn't be just it shouldn't be a training uh, thing. And that, that, that certainly could be an editorial or some views and perspectives. But in the you know in the in the research article section of a peer-reviewed journal, which this purports to be, um, you know, it surely has to be new. Guidelines, not necessarily so. I don't know. I don't know well, what maybe. the rules are. I don't think there are hard and fast rules. Anyway, the bottom line is this guy has published a lot of papers. He's a co-author on. Um, sorry, in so all of the basically all of the articles which cite Greg's work um, 
118 are also published in the same journal, and he's the co-author on 84 of them. So he cites himself a lot. And he does wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that, Nick. Nothing wrong. <laughs> speculate randomly on a whole range of things. It's literally a blog. It's like his personal <laughs> blog has been facilitated by this journal. The, the journal is edited by a chap called E.F. Malouf, who's okay. at a hospital in London, Homerton University oh. Hospital, which is in East London, um, who's only published like two papers in the past 20 years or something. So <clears throat> Elsevier just has a really low bar for what it deems <laughs> acceptable to be a scientific journal. And it doesn't seem to police at all how things are edited and what happens with the, the way in which they're edited. Um, so it's, it's so what, crazy. What, what, is there any more Star Trek goodness there? What else has There's he got no, there? Oh, there's one. Oh. There's another one here. Um, oh God, it goes on and on. Doctors in Star Trek, correctly compassionate, caring, Cantia Zampolit. Here we go. It's this is this, these are these so, are just excerpts okay. I've taken. So he has uh, when managed a, when to. Away team, when an away team discovers an injured adolescent Borg, Picard initially decides to leave him behind, but Crusher objects. It's huge. However. Let me at least stabilize his condition, give him a chance of surviving until the Borg gets here. Crusher gets her way and the Borg is beamed aboard the Enterprise and treated. So it's going on about how nurses and doctors act in Star Trek and using it as a microcosm of caring. <laughs> to be fair to the guy, I quite like him. I had a bit more of an investigate. I investigated Victor Grech a bit more. He's at mm. the University of Malta. He's really is an educator as well as a, a researcher. And he runs a a session online for anybody who wants to join called writing a scientific paper where he obviously does workshops on it and in his bio he makes no bones about the fact that he has an interest in science fiction and in fact he's done a second phd with the english department in the university of malta entitled infertility in science fiction so he's got these dual interests of science fiction and pediatrics which he kind of combines in the two so you know, I'm so, kind of like I, th I don't blame him okay. at all. I think I think he's what he's doing. He's just he, he's, he's got an interest, but he's been hate, hate the game, hate the game, not the player. Hate the game. <laughs> I don't think it should be in a scientific journal. I'm in agreement with you, Steve. But um, well, okay, okay. Let, let, let's rephrase this. Say this was a sociological study. Say you reframe that and said, actually, what we're going to use, we're going to use uh, the change. You know, Star Trek is 60 years old. Right, and actually, we can use that as a kind of metric of the current zeitgeist. I'm going to evaluate things like health practitioners, uh, the changing kind of moral virtues associated with health practitioners. I'm going to use Star Trek as something that's a continuum over the last 60 years, like something like that. I could imagine, you know, being formed in the kind of artsy paper, you know, uh, or, uh, but you know, it's certainly not a scientific one. Certainly not. I completely agree. But I mean, I read it all and I thought, oh, this guy is a bit of a, um, like a charlatan to start with. And I think he's not at all. He's just doing, he's just writing articles on what he finds interesting. But the key yeah. thing here, here is that it's in a scientific journal and that's how people see it. And um, I think it's a bit dodge. I agree. So, so what, um, have they retracted any of these or have they just pointed uh, them out? Just pointed them out. So this guy, um, the chap I mentioned, the the the, uh, the student oh, at Oxford, uh, yeah. at Oxford um, Hampton Gaddy, he he published like an open letter and tweeted about it. It was taken up by Retraction Watch, and then they've kind of investigated. He wrote to the editor, and they just said they're investigating. Mm. But um, 
I don't know what I, I again, Steve. It's the people at Elsevier here who are the problem. They will do anything, anything to make money. They're happy to do it. They, I mean, yeah, they I have mean, no regard for any scientific ethics or anything like that. They just. Well, I mean, presumably that's been peer reviewed. So that's gone out to somebody and someone's looked at that and says, does this fit the remit of the journal? I doubt it, Steve. Peer review is a joke, Steve, I think. It's, a, it's a total joke, Nick. I don't believe in it for a second. What, what can you call peer review? Peer review is you just send it to some other person who you know and say, is this okay? And they go, yeah, that can be peer review. Nick. Steve. What did you want for Christmas? We've missed Christmas you, now. You. Aw. As Mariah Carey sang. Was it Mariah Carey? It was Mariah Carey, yeah. No, for Christmas, I didn't actually want anything. I couldn't think of anything that I wanted. Really. How about chocolates and socks and booze? Um, I did ask for socks for my yeah. in-laws, and they bought me very posh Swedish wool socks. All right, we just wanted some normal socks you could wear to work. I wanted some nice posh socks that keep my toes warm. Uh, okay. Um, so I, I, I came across this paper, Nick. Oh, right. Great. And this, there's a paper published in Come in Nature in 2007. In and Nature? Kind of, in Nature, you know, very respected journal. Top journal. Um, top journal. It's by uh, Peter Todd and Richard Laddle. Um, and the title of the paper is Come all ye scientists, busy and exhausted, oh come ye, oh come ye out of the lab. <laughs> the title. Oh, God. <laughs> and this guy sounds like a tedious person immediately. I'll read it to you. Will you be working on Christmas Day this year? We found evidence that increasing numbers of scientists are swapping party hats for mouse mats during the festive season. So what this was is a, is a, is a you know, it's not a peer-reviewed article, it's just a, an opinion piece. Um, uh, but, it, but what it looked at was the number, um, they searched for um, the number of papers that were received on the 25th of December um, as a function of year. And they collated that data from, um, uh, from a variety of uh, sources, but basically all of from PubMed uh, uh, from the year 1996 to 2006. And what yes. they found, Nick, uh, so, so people, people are submitting their paper on Christmas Day. And what they found is there's a 600% increase. And, and you know, this, is pro this hasn't been followed up over in the last 15 years, but, for, but from, from, from the early 90s to the early noughties, there's a 600% increase in the number of papers that are being submitted uh, on Christmas Day. I have a hypothesis for why this might be the case. They, they have three hypotheses. Do you want to know what uh, mine are? Well, go on then, what are yours? Well, there's an increase in number of submitted papers from countries that don't celebrate Christmas, like China ah, or... Ah, you walk straight like, into their trap. So this is, this is also true if you just look at U, uh, Europe and America. Make more immigrants from those countries who don't celebrate Christmas in those countries. It's, okay, fine. But the, the, the value of the total percentage of it is it's gone up from 5% of all papers up to over 20%. So you sure. wouldn't say one in five people in Europe is an immigrant. Right, you know, from, out of Europe. That's no, not the no, yeah. no, no. So, so that 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 pops your theory out. So they suggest three hypotheses. They say, firstly, we we collectively falling victim to the publish or perish institutional culture. Well, that's true. Yeah. So, so basically, people are, 
Second, the pressure on scientists to publish is paralleled by an increase in their administrative and teaching workloads. This pushes research in in particular writing into vacation periods. Well, that's true too. Tick that one off as well. And thirdly, we need yeah, thirdly, the, the wide-scale implementation of electronic submissions in the late 1990s. Most journals now open for business every day of the year. Well, true. Tick that one off. Yeah. So, Good. okay, glad we put that one to bed, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's nice it follows up with a question it says it says we urge our fellow scientists to keep their laptops turned off and enjoy a bit of christmas spirit you never know santa might be more inclined to bring you um uh, that most popular of presents a paper published in nature <laughs> <laughs> oh steve happy new year again happy new year nick do you know where the first place in the world to celebrate the new year is? Uh, is it like Ascension Island or something like that? No. Um, no. Uh, it's, Ascension Island. Uh, it'll be somewhere in the on the international dateline, won't it? Of course um, we are, yeah. In the um, middle I, of the Pacific. Um, I don't know. Easter Island or something. I think Easter Island's like closer to... I think it's in... It's behind us, if you see what I mean, not ahead of us. Oh, okay. So, yeah. All right. if you go that way, if you go, of course, everyone knows that you've got the, the globe is divided into lines of long, long, longitude or long, longitude. And we're at, at, in London, Steve, you're pretty much at zero. Really? Uh, yeah, zero. So, GMT, I think it's called you GMT know, is the correct term for it these days. Do you know if you go to Bristol um, and you look at the main clock on the Bristol station, there's a little there's a little blip uh, next to the, uh, the the 12 o'clock line, which is the difference between Greenwich Mean Time and Bristol Mean Time. Oh, really? Um, Bristol have their yeah. own Mean Time. They did. They did initially, which is one of the reasons it was an, it was established as a uh, as a um, as a as a standard. Yeah. Well, of course, anyway. as you go as you go from east to west, the sun rises slightly later, so mm. that's why America's behind us. So if you keep on going into the Pacific, it gets later and later until arbitrarily we get to a line where we call it the next day. Yes. So Australia's ahead and South America's behind us, pretty much. Anyway, the furthest ahead on this arbitrarily drawn line, the international date line, which should it hovers around 180 degrees longitude, the opposite side of the world to us, effectively. There's a group of islands, and they call the Line Islands. And one of the islands, called Kiribati, which is actually a country, this is good to remember, Kiribati, it's a nation okay. state, You'll come across that if you ever watch Pointless. It's a good one to remember. <laughs> anyway, that, <clears throat> that's, at, um, that's at 157 degrees west. Okay. So it's actually in the Western Hemisphere. So really, it should be behind us, but it's actually ahead of us. Oh, is it like one of those little blips that goes around? It's a load of islands together. They don't want to split them up into different zones. So yeah. they're all in, so that that island is the first one to see it. And it's an interesting group of islands because it actually... It, this is a country straddles um, uh, both the uh, the 180 degrees of longitude and also the north and south of the equator. So it's got its foot oh, okay. places, if you like. Uh, it's the only country in the world to be situated in all four hemispheres. Anyway, there you go. So um, that's where, if you want to go and celebrate New Year earlier on, then nip to Kiribati. Fireworks, Steve. Did you have any fireworks on New Year's Eve? 
Uh, I, I, I watched them out my window. There was loads in London. I love fireworks, Nick. Do you know why? It's chemistry in action, isn't it? There's a beautiful, there's a book written by the, the um, Oxford Primer series uh, published by the RSC um, uh, called The Chemistry of Fireworks. It's a beautiful book. It's lovely. I forget who. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Frank looks like fireworks. I bet, I bet. It's Ripley like fireworks, your dog. Ripley doesn't mind them too much. She she used to freak out of them, but I think she just picks up on that. And because we're like calm when we hear a firework, she doesn't get too. She doesn't get too. He's very uh, calm, but Frank freaks out and he goes to hide under the sofa. He really doesn't like them. Mm, no. Anyway, the chemistry of them is what I wanted to talk to you about today, Steve. Because we excited. We did. I'm encroaching on your territory. We didn't have any fireworks, but we had some sparklers left over. Right. You know how sparklers work. Um, I guess Mike. I don't. I don't at all, but my guess would be it's probably magnesium, like bits of magnesium, like embedded in something else. Um, yeah, they, they have like three different components, sparklers. So they've yeah. got a fuel. So yeah. one thing is the fuel. One thing is an oxidizer. Yeah. Right. Just and, like a one, and one thing is a binder. Ah, okay. A binder. But there's, and, and then you can have colorants as well. So you can have fourth ingredient as well. Yeah. And colorants and the fuel can combine. And you're right, magnesium is sometimes used, but iron is the one that's used most often. So Interesting. Actually, actually, pieces of iron. You're burning iron. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it's a paste. It's a paste of tiny fragments of metal, iron. You mentioned the mm. oxidizers. So this is just a supply um, of, um, uh, of um, uh, oxidizers to oxygen, basically, to allow things to burn more easily. That's what I imagine anyway. Is that right? Exactly. Anyway. So they can be the oxidizers can be nitrate, chlorate, or perchlorate, and then dextrin, which is kind of a sugary molecule, is used as a paste to knit it all together. So it's all yeah. pasted together. All these things are just mixed together. It's quite basic, and then they're just sort of pasted onto the end of this stick of iron. Anyway, do you know what the colorants are? If you wanted to make Steve red, white, and blue, for instance, sparklers. Oh, so when you say red, do you mean brick red, in which case you do calcium, or if you mean a much darker ruby red, you use strontium. Ruby red. Strontium, yeah. Yeah, that's true. How about white? What do you use for white? Well, white, I mean, magnesium would be a good one for white. Well done, uh, magnesium. Blue. <laughs> blue, well, if you mean lilac, it's probably potassium. Um, if you mean like a dark blue, it's probably copper. Copper, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh, I've so... done well in the fireworks quiz, haven't I, Nick? I've done <laughs> really <laughs> well. They're those bits that shoot out. So when they shoot out, that's just energetic because they're really tiny fragments. They oh, just it's it's even more beautiful. It's burning metal. That's yeah, exactly fragments, what's fragments of metal shooting yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, do you know how hot they are? Oh, that's a good question. Um it would depend upon the metal, I'd imagine. But um yeah, it's probably thousands of degrees, I think. One, why the hell don't they burn you then? You can hold a sparkler over your bare hand, right? As long as you don't because touch it. And it uh, why don't they burn? Well, because there's very little metal in them, right? So when you think if you were to take like something that makes a spark or like hit flint, right? There's very, you know, there's very little um, yeah. material that's being oxidized. And so therefore it loses its heat very, very quickly, but it just creates a bunch of light. What you're doing really is you're releasing that energy to, to go from, you know, iron or magnesium to iron oxide or magnesium oxide. And, and, and in doing that, it's an exothermic process. So it gives out heat and, and light in the process. And that's what you're seeing. Yeah, basically because they're so tiny, but they look big because they give off so much light, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there you go. So um, I didn't actually think of that when Maria and I were in the garden waving the sparklers around. I just thought, oh, that's pretty. But now <laughs> I know, Steve. And every time I look at them, Isn't I think, oh, there's a strontium, it's a dark red. And if you want to drink red, it will be calcium. 
Shit. Come on, Steve. Bunsen. Burner. Dolly. Shit. Internal. Combustion. Why do we need? Patrick, Oscar, Isaac, Newton, Steve, that was fun. It's the end of our New Year's Misery podcast. Yeah, that's a different podcast to normal. We've been doing these cup of COVID for a long time. And it's yeah. a little bit longer. So, um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy our extended conversations, if I'm honest. I think we should do this more this year. But if any, any of the shedlings out there want to um, suggest which they prefer, cup of COVID or... Um, uh, or, or more of just our standard podcast, we're happy to to take on board that feedback and get back into the top secret science shed development kitchen. Maybe we can just do both and do like nuggets of podcasts, not necessarily about COVID. And at, at some points we can just knit them together into a longer one. Yeah, so we can do the best of because we can't be yeah. asked to create any more content. <laughs> I used to, when I was a kid, I used to hate the best of episodes. It would really annoy me when they'd go back and show you an old episode. I felt like I felt robbed. I just I like, like that. I feel the same whenever because I quite like things like um, uh, "Would I Lie to You?" I haven't got news for you, and they always do right. one like that at the end. And I'm like, oh no, I've seen all this stuff. Yeah, annoys me. But, but I that, just... to be honest with you, the content arguably is of slightly higher no, quality. No. Think, think, about, think about it in the music world, right? No one no one who actually likes music buys a best of album, right? You know, they, they're True. just like, they just, you know, you know, in fact, it ruins it. If you've got to listen to a song without hearing the song before and after it on the album, it's part of the process, right? It's rather than just, you know, you don't just want, you know, Sweet Child of Mine, you want the whole of Appetite for Destruction. That's a much better- I'm not so better. sure about that, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if people want to get in touch, they can get in touch with um, you uh, at Steve the Chemist on Twitter, can't they, Steve? Yeah, they can get in touch with you at the Evans Lab or just at the Science Shed. Um, and we hope everyone has uh, had a good New Year, and um, we look forward to more um, misery in 2021 to come. All right, <laughs> Happy New Year, Nick. Happy New Year, Steve. Bye. Bye.